from the corner of 16th and Peachtree Street, right next to the High Museum of Art in Midtown Atlanta. Welcome to the First Presbyterian Church. I'm Senior Pastor Tony Sundermeyer, and I want to thank you for tuning in to today's broadcast. And I would invite you now to join us in the worship of God. Good morning. My name is Bill Ernest, and I'm currently serving as Clerk of Session. Join me, if you would, in the call to worship. A voice cries in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. We listen with open hearts. A voice cries in the wilderness, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. We open hearts. We wait for the coming of the promised one, the little child who shall lead us. Let us worship the Lord our God with open hearts. Please turn with me in your pew Bible to some Malachi 314 which can be found on page 838 in the Old Testament. Listen for and hear the word of God. See, I am sending my messenger to prepare the way before me, and the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. The messenger of covenant in whom you delight indeed, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. But who can endure the day of his coming, and who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire and like fuller's soap. He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver, and he will purify the descendants of Levi, and refine them like gold and silver until they present offerings to the Lord in righteousness. Then the offering of Judah and Jerusalem will be pleasing to the Lord as in days of old and as in former years. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, McHenry. Our second lesson this morning is from Luke's Gospel, the third chapter, verses 1 through 6. Here again, God's word. In the 15th year of the reign of Emperor Tiberius, when Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea, and Herod was ruler of Galilee, and his brother Philip, ruler of the region of Iturea and Trachonitis, and Lysanias, ruler of Abilene, during the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John, son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. He went into all the region around the Jordan, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. As it is written in the book of the words of the prophet Isaiah, the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight, Every valley shall be filled, and every mountain and hill shall be made low, and the crooked shall be made straight, and the rough ways made smooth, and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
did. And let us pray. Lord, may our study of your word in this time of worship change us and better prepare us to serve you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Last week we heard the Advent call to keep watch, to be awake, to read the signs in the world. Our texts today add another dimension to that call. We hear the call of Malachi the prophet and John the Baptist saying, prepare the way. Both speak of the need for us to get ready, not just for the birth of a holy baby, but to get ready for the different world that baby will bring. The name Malachi means my messenger, and Malachi's message is about the need for a radical change. He speaks to priests, religious professional types, who have failed at their responsibilities, and he speaks to people who seem to have forgotten their part in God's covenant. Malachi prophesies a sudden coming, a time when those who've turned from God and dishonored the covenant will not be able to stand. They'll be cleansed, purified, refined, restored to right relationship with our God. They will be cleansed as with fuller's soap, refined like gold and silver, says Malachi. This is rich imagery he's using to tell us what it looks like to be prepared for the advent of the Lord. Now, fulling isn't something we talk much about, but it's part of the process for making wool cloth. Fullers use soap to clean the cloth of oil and dirt to remove any impurities in the cloth. Removing those flaws makes the cloth thicker and stronger. It makes it last longer. So fullers scrub quite vigorously. They actually agitate the fibers of the cloth to make them clean and strong. Likewise, in the refining process, metals are heated until they're melted, and the liquid metals give up their impurities. They literally float to the top to be skimmed off and thrown away. What's left, the refined metal, is strong and pure. This is what is coming. A time of being refined and purified. A time for clearing away the things that are not righteous. A time of judgment that will prepare the world for the Lord. But who can handle vigorous scrubbing and heat that melts? Who, asks the prophet, can endure the day of the Lord's coming? Endure the day of his coming. That isn't a question we usually ask at Advent. It isn't part of the narrative of the birth of the Christ child. Um, I can check with Margaret, Margaret, but I'm pretty sure that no fourth grader is going to ask that question in our pageant next week. But on this second Sunday of Advent... Ours is still a broken world in need of the radical refining and reordering of Jesus Christ, a world that is still a wilderness desperately in need of a voice to cry out, 
a world where the birth of that Christ child is still fearsome and awesome and necessary. Our text from Luke invites us to think both about the world long ago and the world today. Luke very carefully lists for us all the political and religious powers of that day. He situates the message in a particular time, in other words, in the 15th year of the reign of Emperor Tiberius, when Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea, Herod, ruler of Galilee, his brother Philip, ruler of this region and this region, during the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, in other words, in a particular moment of established power and authority, Luke names them all. But the word of God didn't come to any of these, not to a ruler or a governor or a high priest. Luke tells us that the word of God came to John, son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. Just John. One person, a nobody really, and what's more, a nobody who removed himself from this order by spending his time in the wilderness. For John, that actually was a desert, a desolate place apart from human order. But wilderness is more than just the valley of the Jordan where John the Baptist preached because God has been working in the wilderness for a long time. It was in that place of chaos and disorder that the law was revealed. It was in the wilderness that God established a covenant with God's people, the same covenant we claim as our identity, the same covenant to which Malachi and John the Baptist call us to return. And wilderness isn't just geographical. John's prophetic word came into the wilderness of a particular set of political and social powers through a person who had no political or social power. And his message was one that authorities didn't like much. John, much like Malachi, called for the world to repent, to seek forgiveness, to be cleansed in baptism. His call was for the world to prepare of the coming of one who would blow apart the political and social hierarchies of the day. A savior born as a nobody in a feeding trough. John's voice cried out in the wilderness of a broken world, proclaiming the news that is both disconcerting to us and the source of our deepest hope that the Lord is going to change everything. The valleys, the low places, they will be filled. The mountains and hills will be made low. The crooked, interestingly enough, a Greek word that means both crooked places and crooked people, will be made right. The rough ways will be made smooth. And then, and only then, All flesh shall see the salvation of God. The impurities will have been removed. The cloth will be clean and strong. The chaos of wilderness will have been brought into the order of God. Because this is what God does in the wilderness. This Advent, 
We find ourselves in the wilderness of our broken and hurting world, hearing the words of John the Baptist and yearning to see the radical change Jesus Christ can bring. In the words of one of my favorite poets, Anne Weems, the whole world waits in December darkness for a glimpse of the light of God. The one who declared he never would forgive has forgiven. And those who left home have returned, and even wars are halted, if briefly, as the whole world looks starward. In the December darkness, we peer from our windows, watching for an angel to announce the hope of the world. We, we too, long for a reality where the mountain of Isis has been brought low, where the rough ways of world powers jockeying for position have been made smooth, where the crooked systems that make us fear our brothers and sisters and turn them away in their times of need, those crooked systems have been made right. A world where the valleys of violence have been filled forever. We don't want to remember the third anniversary of the Sandy Hook shooting next week because we wish there had never been a shooting at the Sandy Hook school. We want to stop counting mass shootings in this country and to live instead in a world where there aren't any. We want to be free of the nagging fear that our children, churchgoers, Bible studiers, concert listeners, soccer match watchers, diners, volunteers, people of color, any and all of us could be cut down by violence at any time. We want to know a world in which all of those people and we ourselves are safe and whole. So this Advent, with confidence and the fiercest kind of hope, we stake our claim on the coming Messiah who can reorder this world. We wait for the coming of that one, and we hear with new ears the voice crying into our wilderness, calling us to prepare the way. There's been a lot of buzz recently about how people respond to tragedy and violence in our world. This Thursday's issue of the New York Daily News, some of you may have seen it, ran the provocative headline, God Isn't Fixing This. It condemns politicians who responded to the San Bernardino shootings by tweeting that their thoughts and prayers are with the families of the victims. It accuses them of hiding behind platitudes rather than using power to bring change. Now that headline is undoubtedly meant to inflame. It's meant to stir debate. Maybe if we give the writers the benefit of the doubt, it's meant to bring some good change. But for us as Christians today, people who read that headline and hear the responses of those who hold power in our world. To this tragedy or any other, it's an opportunity. It's a moment when we must affirm that God is active in this world and that God will fix it. 
That is exactly the claim of Malachi and Luke and every one of us this Advent and every other. God is coming, and God has the power to radically change the broken world, even to show the world salvation. And as Christians, reading headlines, we must more than ever hear a call for our own action, a call to prepare the way of the Lord with our own lives of faith, even as we wait for his coming. At Christmas, we celebrate the birth of God, a human being, small, vulnerable, part of the same wild world with all its dangers and fears and grief. We celebrate that God chose to be in covenant with us and that that same God loves us enough to call us back no matter how far we stray. We celebrate that God is with us and active in the world even now. We celebrate that God would want our purified hearts and we respond by opening them to be changed. We celebrate that God hears our prayers and that we do not ever cry out in vain. And we celebrate that God became human and works through all of humankind, even nobodies like John the Baptist and each of us, to witness to the power of hope and love to conquer despair and death. We celebrate that that same God has a calling for each of our lives. We hear that call to be God's hands and feet and voice, to act in God's loving name by welcoming stranger and neighbor, responding to hate with love, refusing to be driven by our fear into more violence and sharing with the world the light of Jesus Christ that shines in the darkness and will never, ever be overcome. Amen. Oh, my God.
Oh, my God. 
tenacious hope it takes to prepare the way for the coming of one who can change anything. Go with the peace, love, and power of that same God in your hearts and your minds. Amen.